This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, December 22nd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, GM and Ford say some of their EVs will lose federal tax credits in the new year. Leading analysts expect slow sales growth in 2024, and Cummins will pay a record penalty over engine emission defeat devices in Ram trucks. Plus, our own Larry Balquette goes through the biggest stories of 2023 for Toyota and Volkswagen. You never make money betting against Toyota, right? <laughs> you don't have to be an auto reporter for very long to know that. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors says it expects its Cadillac Lyric and Chevrolet Blazer EV to lose eligibility, at least temporarily, for U.S. electric vehicle tax credits starting January 1st. GM says only its Chevrolet Bolt EV will be eligible for the consumer EV tax credit. The Detroit automaker says the vehicles are losing the credit because of two minor components. It added that it's pulling ahead sourcing plans for qualifying components and expects the Lyric and Blazer EV to regain eligibility in early 2024. GM said it also expects its Chevy Equinox EV, Silverado EV, GMC Sierra EV, and Cadillac Optic produced after the sourcing change will be eligible for the full incentive. Ford says its e-transit will lose the $3,750 tax credit on New Year's Day, as will the Mach-E and Lincoln Aviator Grand Touring plug-in hybrid. But its electric F-150 Lightning will keep the $7,500 credit, and the Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring will still get the half credit. The U.S. Treasury issued guidelines this month detailing new battery sourcing restrictions that take effect in the new year aimed at steering the U.S. electric vehicle supply chain away from China. While some EVs will lose their federal tax credits when the new year starts, those that still qualify should get a little easier for consumers to buy because they'll be able to apply the credit to their down payment if they shop at a qualified dealership. More than 7,000 U.S. car dealers have registered with the IRS to offer EV tax credits at the point of sale when the option becomes available to consumers on January 1st. That represents about 40% of the nearly 17,000 franchise dealerships selling light-duty vehicles in the U.S. Dealers must be registered via the newly launched website called IRS Energy Credits Online for their customers to claim or transfer federal tax credits and use those funds as a down payment for eligible new and used EV purchases. Registration opened on November 1st. It's also required for dealers to receive direct payments for transferred credits. Whether you're talking about EVs or gasoline burning vehicles, dealers will likely have to work harder to sell vehicles in 2024. 
That's because it's widely expected to be the most normal year of auto production and sales since the pandemic. Cox Automotive forecasts just 2% growth to $15.6 million. Auto Forecast Solutions and Global Data both project 16.1 million sales. S&P Global Mobility has the industry coming in at 15.9 million for the year. Jonathan Smoke is Cox's chief economist. He says high interest rates have put a lid on what's possible with demand for new cars and trucks. I think one of the characteristics we're seeing in the second half and particularly the fourth quarter of this year has been evidence that we are reaching the end of the pent-up demand that people have been lined up to buy new vehicles at whatever cost. And at today's prices and rates, we seem to have exhausted a lot of that. Analysts say vehicle prices are stabilizing even as automakers begin to toss aside some of their incentive discipline of the past four years. You can hear more from Cox chief economist Jonathan Smoke about these trends and his expectations on our January 2nd episode of Daily Drive. Truck engine maker Cummins has agreed in principle to pay an almost $1.7 billion penalty for installing emissions defeat devices on hundreds of thousands of engines. The Justice Department says it's the largest ever penalty for a Clean Air Act violation. The department says Cummins allegedly installed defeat devices on 630,000 2013 through 2019 Ram 2500 and 3500 pickup truck engines. And the company added undisclosed auxiliary emission control devices on 330,000 2019 through 2023 Ram 2500 and 3500 engines. It's the second largest environmental penalty deal ever reached. And some Stellantis employees who were laid off 10 months ago when the automaker idled its Jeep plant in Belvedere, Illinois, are now back at work handling parts distribution. It's the first step toward a nearly $5 billion commitment to Belvedere that Stellantis made in its new contract with the UAW. The company plans to open a $100 million Mopar parts hub there in 2024 before reopening the plant to make mid-sized pickups in 2027. It will also add a battery plant in 2028. Stellantis says about 115 employees this week began processing parts at a warehouse near the plant for distribution to dealerships. About 50 others are in training at a distribution center in Naperville, Illinois, and will transition to Belvedere next week. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, some of GM and Ford's EVs will lose federal tax credits in the beginning of the year. Cox Automotive is forecasting slower sales growth for 2024. Do you think losing Fed tax credits will be a major factor in the slowdown in growth? It could be a really significant factor in slowing the growth of EV sales. And as you said, we're seeing sales growth slow overall. You know, the higher interest rates, the high prices of vehicles, and as Jonathan Smoke was saying, the fact that it looks like most of that pent-up demand has been spent. So back to work. Gotcha. Coming up, we'll look at how Asia's largest automaker and Europe's largest automaker did in 2023 and what we can expect from them in the coming year. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy. 
No more excuses. No more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit rayray.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's rey.com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Today, we continue our look at the biggest auto industry stories of 2023. The world's largest automaker, Toyota, saw some dramatic changes at headquarters in Japan, the most notable being the retirement of longtime CEO Akio Toyota and the promotion of former Lexus president Koji Sato to succeed him. That brought about a big change, in tone at least, in the automaker's approach to EVs. For Europe's largest automaker, it was a quieter year, Volkswagen has been working to build up its EV volume in the United States, namely its ID4 crossover, and it's grappling once again with its identity in this market. Larry Veliquet has been covering both automakers for us at Automotive News in 2023. He joins me to talk about all things Toyota and VW in the past year. Larry Veliquet, welcome back to Daily Drive. Jamie, it's so good to be here. <laughs> so, uh, you cover a couple of big automakers, Toyota and Volkswagen. Of course, uh, getting you off the Volkswagen beat, but you're still, uh, you've been covering it all year. So you're, you're stuck here talking about it. Toyota had a pretty big year, uh, at least an eventful one in that they changed CEOs for the first time in quite a while. Yeah. And uh, this one doesn't have the magic name, right? He <laughs> <It> doesn't. <laughs> so we, we're transitioning from, or we've transitioned now from Akio Toyota who moves up to chairman, uh, to Koji Sato, who is a friend of the U.S. How so? Uh, he's intimately familiar with the U.S., with the U.S. operations, and uh, with 
uh, U.S. dealers. Well, he's been, uh, he was the head of Lexus, which is nominally a global job, but we know it's really a North America focused job. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Lexus dealers really liked what uh, Satosan uh, delivered for them, where he positioned the brand. Uh, and I think they were very excited to hear that, uh, not that it was a big surprise that <laughs> that Koji Sato was, was yeah. going to be the pick, <laughs> the uh, right-handed reliever coming in. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think everybody was happy that uh, that, that was going to happen. I mean, you know, Lexus dealers have been happy for a long time. They very mint time. money, high volumes, good margins. Uh, it's a very good business to be in. But Koji Sato brings more to it even than that. He was already at Lexus, one of the real leaders in at least thinking about what EVs could be like for this company that has been sort of slow to the EV game. And he really changed the tone of conversation around EVs at Toyota. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. There's, I think there's the internal debate, right? It's the same as the external debate. Do you go all EV? Do you transition the uh, slowly and uh, more naturally let consumers come along? And uh, they had that debate within Toyota. Uh, Akio was clearly on the let's bring the consumers along with us mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise we're getting out ahead of our skis. So uh, Sato was a little bit more aggressive, wanted to see what could be done. But as a result of that internal debate, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're finally getting there, mm-hmm. right? They're not quite where their competitors are yet. They're, be, they're clearly behind where the uh, competitive EV set is. But they also have, you, you, you never make money betting against Toyota, right? <laughs> it, it, you don't have to be an auto, an auto reporter for very long to know that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, it was interesting because uh, I think, you know, there's, there's still a solid debate. And I think there's a lot of logic behind Akio Toyota's, you know, viewpoint that if the effort is to fight global warming, then it's carbon, not gasoline per se that is the that is the the enemy as he calls it sato came in he really didn't change any targets or any investment but he just changed the way they talked about evs and some of that was while they had had the debate and akio decided where they were <laughs> uh they toyota like honda and some others went to the auto show in china and were like this whole world market is leaving us behind if we don't get in, get a little more serious on. And since then they've gotten, they've added money to the plan, talked about some really exciting technologies and plans, at least a little bit about the future. Yeah. You know, I went to the Tokyo uh, mobility show, uh, yes. pardon me, Japan, the Japan mobility. mobility show, the former, uh, Tokyo uh, previously show. known as the Tokyo auto show and in October. And I was struck by, uh, you know, we all, we, we both know what auto shows are like here. There was a lot of excitement about around that auto show. But I was also struck by the lack of production vehicles, right? It was lots of concepts, lots and lots and lots of <laughs> concepts uh, of all of the things that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And there were some very cool concepts there. There was a lot of uh, technology. I just only asked how it works, but why they would want to do it, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's a different story. Uh, but they had some really cool stuff and, you know, it's going to take them a while, but they'll get back into it. Some progress, at least announced progress on uh, solid-state batteries, some some cool new products. Uh, here in the U.S., in North America, we're starting to see some green shoots, if you will, of, uh, of EV production, probably first in Kentucky, but eventually in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got, uh, we certainly got the shoots in there. There's a uh, 
huge, absolutely huge investment going into. In they just keep expanding it. Liberty, in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, you're you're talking about. We're in our over thirteen, well over thirteen billion dollars investment in uh, Liberty, North Carolina. This is just for batteries, just uh, for batteries. hybrid batteries and EV batteries. Yes, mostly hybrid batteries. Mostly hybrid batteries. They went. They took. They were going to have two lines for hybrid batteries. They're not going to have ten lines for hybrid batteries. <laughs> Uh, which tells you something about their strategy. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to note, they haven't said this, but it's not just going to feed Toyota, obviously. Mm -hmm. These are going to feed vehicles coming from Subaru too. Makes sense. Subaru. Makes sense. So the product front, we of course saw the new hybrid, the new Toyota Prius. People are talking about this one a little differently. It's maybe a little less of a aerodynamic science experiment and a little, I don't know if we want to call it sexy, but at least a little more edgy than some they of the hybrids of the past. They broke the egg. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Crack. <laughs> they cracked the egg. Okay. They cracked the egg. Uh, it's it's certainly a much different uh, design from an external standpoint. It's funny that they, uh, if you look at the numbers, they actually gave up a little bit of fuel economy, which is what, you know, the Prius has always been cutting edge hybrid fuel economy. They gave back a little bit uh, to go to the sexier shape. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, it's selling relatively well. So it's a good bet. It's not my cup of tea. It's really, they, they lost some headroom, which was a problem before. Mm -hmm. The back seat is now a little short, especially, but the numbers tell, don't lie. They're selling pretty well. For the non-hybrid customer, uh, Toyota has a very important launch uh, coming for this uh, model year. The this month? new Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be Taco Tuesday all month long, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the 2024 Tacoma is a complete redesign, the first redesign, full-up redesign in 14 years. It is a, from a, just a comfort standpoint and a packaging standpoint, a much improved version, a technology standpoint, a much improved version mm -hmm. over the previous generation. Well, since the last design, I mean, that industry has died and been resurrected again, right? right? I mean, yeah. uh, GM and Ford and... Uh, all the Detroit three got out of midsize pickups or compact pickups. And then they started coming back to them when you know, Toyota just kept making money off of them. Resurrection. It's a miracle, right? <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the process, Toyota has locked down that segment, even though it's, it keeps pulling back. It keeps losing for every new competitor. It loses a little bit of market share, but that's okay. The volumes keep going up. Right. Volumes keep so, going up. so lose, lose a little bit of market share, but it makes it up in volume. Uh, it's not quite the market share king that it was, which it used to be over 65% of that mm -hmm. market when everybody else bailed. Now it's still uh, just around 40. Very still strong in such a big segment. Very strong. And especially for such a profitable vehicle. It is, it's the franchise vehicle. If you talk to Toyota dealers and you say, okay, which one wouldn't you give More up? More than the Camry? More than the RAV4? Uh, yeah, it's, I think they'd, I think they'd be, they'd be willing to give up even RAV4 before they gave up the Tacoma. Wow. It feeds into everything else, right? It gives them something to compete in the pickup segment where the Tundra has always been kind of an also ran, but it also gives them something that's kind of affordable, uh, and not just a, a high end truck. Yeah. And it's an aspirational truck, right? I can tell you as for somebody, its segment, for yeah. its segment. Yeah. It's an aspirational truck. I can tell you that within my family, my son would like nothing more than to have a new, <laughs> uh, play Michael J. Fox and have a new Tacoma pull up in his driveway. That's not going to happen. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's turn from Asia's largest automaker to Europe's largest automaker uh, that, you know, is here in the U.S., uh, Volkswagen. Been kind of a quiet year for Volkswagen. Certainly on a product front. They had a quiet year product-wise. They did launch a redesigned Atlas. Mm Mm-hmm which got uh, some much needed improvements in the Atlas and Atlas cross sport really brought those two SUVs uh, updated them, made them far more competitive. But other than that, it's, it was really quiet. The big thing that happened this year for Volkswagen is they saw their volumes of ID four. They they're available. Let's put it this way. They're available volumes, <laughs> uh, much improved because the, the, uh, production has been localized to Chattanooga mm-hmm. now from Germany. They used to get them in trickles and then they opened the floodgates. And unfortunately they opened the floodgates right as the EV market seemed to kind of uh, peter out a little bit with mm-hmm. maybe some penetration issues into the broader mass market. Well, look, all the incumbent brands, you know, trying to sell in that subcompact crossover really have been facing an onslaught from Tesla you know, which already had a very popular vehicle in the Model Y and have cut the prices and cut the prices. And it's put a lot of pressure on on the ID4, also on the Mustang Mach-E and Nissan Aria. I mean, you name it. Yeah. The difference is that unlike some of these other automakers, VW purposely did a 50 state strategy, Mm -hmm. right? On their retail model for EVs. They went, they got fantastic buy-in from their dealers over 99 percent of their of their dealer network said okay we're in we'll sell them and they said okay well we'll give them to you they finally got (laughs) it there and a lot of these guys are are facing some growing inventories because they're the early both from tesla Mm -hmm. and from there being a lack uh, a little bit of uh, early adopter wear and tear i guess well yeah or beyond those early adopters it's yeah. getting into the mass market even the the early mass has been a, a challenge especially in the middle of the country yeah yeah in the middle of the country where the where the distances are real mm-hmm. uh, and the charging infrastructure is not <laughs> <laughs> one of the other you know big developments are more of the one of the things brewing in the background for vw has been the launch of the scout brand you know, Scott Keogh, the former VW brand chief, was put in charge of it, really trying to keep it separate. They're building a factory, and then the news recently popped. Uh, VW hasn't confirmed it, but it looks like Magnus Steyer was contracted to do the to do something uh, de- development. Was what was reported. Whether yeah. that turns out to be the case, it's not going to be manufacturing. Presumably, they're building the big plant there in uh, South Carolina. Yeah, this is all really interesting, and I, I have to tell you, the report uh, from the German media that uh, of Magnus Steyer's interest here, or their, this contract, and we don't know the details yet at this, as we're recording today, it's really interesting to me because the development, I was under the impression, was locked, hmm. or, you know, at least for the most part, so uh, that it was all done in Wolfsburg, that it was done prior, this, this new uh, rugged SUV, EV, SUV platform uh, was all set up before uh, Herbert Deese left hmm. and that it was all locked and that Audi, Audi was going to use it as well uh, or wanted to anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what Magnus Dyer is working on <laughs> or what they're going to do. It would make more sense to me if they were to operate the plant, right? Because they mm-hmm. could operate the plant. Right. They have experience operating those plants mm-hmm. and operate it cleanly as a subcontractor for both Scout and for Audi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that keeps the nexus point away 
depending on how we still don't know yet, really importantly, how scout vehicles are going to be retailed. Right. I mean, it seems that they are not eager to sell them through VW dealers or Audi dealers for that. You could say that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so it struck me that if we're to take that Austrian report, I mean, Austria is where uh, Magnus Steyer is based. So I'm, I'm inclined to think they had pretty good sourcing, but we don't know for sure. But the, maybe that was part of an effort to keep some distance between Wolfsburg and, you know, the U.S. Volkswagen dealers to say, hey, it's not so much a Volkswagen product. This is a, an independently contracted product. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> dealers are not going to go for that either yeah, way, are they? Yeah, they're not going to buy that argument anymore than they're going to buy any other argument that keeps these vehicles, which they don't have in their lineups, and have uh, been advocating and for. for and have been wanting for decades that if it keeps them from selling them, that they're not going to buy that argument. How's business going otherwise for Volkswagen? Otherwise, you know, they they've got the same issues that they've always had. They've they've got this uh, internal desire to be relevant to to have a ten percent U.S. market share across their many brands. Mm. That's a tall order to hit in a market when you, especially when you're going all EV which they've committed to do, that gets a lot harder to hit. It's always been a challenge for them at their sort of price point uh, to gain the market share that they want. And going to EVs, as we've seen, you know, thus far, it just adds to the affordability challenge that the whole market's facing. Yeah. If you look at them, right, they have been trying to to figure out the U.S. market since you and I were kids, <laughs> right? <True>. Since, <laughs> since since we were both in grade school and not in the later grades of grade <laughs> school, right? So uh, they've been trying to figure this out. They've spent millions and tens of millions of dollars trying to figure out the U.S. market. And to return back to that place that they were in 71 and 72 when they had the Beetle and the bus and they were this cultural icon, they've been trying to get back there forever and just have not figured it out because they can't figure out what they are. If they're a premium brand, because, you know, they, they want to be able to charge for the German engineering, mm-hmm. but uh, they also want to be the, the Volks people, right? They want right. to be the people's car. People's car. And it's a, uh, it's a conundrum here in the U.S., <laughs> Well, that's a conundrum we'll keep following in 2024. Larry Velquet, staff reporter here at Automotive News, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts on the year that was. Uh, always a pleasure, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Aji LaForest, Carly Schaffner, and Vince Bond Jr. for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, EV tax credits, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a look at the year Hyundai and Kia had in 2023. There is a provision within the IRA that allows consumers to have the $7,500 passed through the captive if they choose to lease. So that's been really attractive and they've been leaning on that hard. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 